Hello and welcome to Subway Sidecar. I'm your host, Allison Hope. Today we will be continuing the We Free Men. I believe we are still in Chapter 1. Tiffany worked for the rest of the morning in the dairy. There was cheese that needed doing. There was bread and jam for lunch. Her mother said, The teachers are coming to town today. You can go if you've done your chores. Tiffany agreed that yes, there were one or two things she'd, like, she'd quite like to know more about. Then you could have half a dozen carrots and an egg. I dare say they could do with an egg, poor things, said her mother. Tiffany took them with her after lunch and went to get an egg's worth of education. Most boys in the village grew up to do the same jobs as their fathers, or at least some other jobs somewhere in the village where someone's father could teach them as they went along. The girls were expected to grow up and to be somebody's wife. They were also expected to be able to read and write, those being considered soft indoor jobs that were too fiddly for the boys. However, everyone also felt that there were a few other things that even the boys ought to know to stop them wasting time wondering about details like what's on the other side of the mountains and how come rain falls out of the sky. Every family in the village bought a copy of the almanac every year, and a sort of education came from that. It was big and thick and printed somewhere far off, and it had lots of details about things like phases of the moon and the right time to plant beans. It also contained a few prophecies about the coming year, and mentioned faraway places with named like, names like Clatch and Hersheba. Tiffany had seen a picture of Clatch in the almanac. In the almanac, it showed a camel standing in a desert. She'd only found out what both those names were because her mother had told her, and that was Clatch, a camel in a desert. She'd wondered if there wasn't a bit more to it, but it seemed that Clatch equals camel desert was all anyone knew. And that was the trouble. If you didn't find some way of stopping it, people would go on asking questions. The teachers were useful there. Bands of them wandered through the mountains along with the tinkers, portable blacksmiths, miracle medicine men, cloth peddlers, fortune tellers, and all the other travelers who sold things that people didn't need every day but occasionally found useful. They went from village to village, delivering short lessons on many subjects. They kept apart from the other travelers and were quite mysterious in their ragged robes and strange square hats. They used long words like corrugated iron. They lived rough lives, surviving on what food they could earn from giving lessons to anyone who would listen. When no one would listen, they lived on baked hedgehog. They went to sleep under the stars, which the math teachers would count, the astronomy teachers would measure, and the literary literature teachers would name. The geography teachers got lost in the woods and fell into bear traps. People were usually quite pleased to see them. They caught children enough to shut them up. They taught children enough to shut them up, which was the main thing after all. But they always had to be driven out of the village, villages by nightfall in case they stole chickens. Today, the brightly colored little booths and, the, and tents were pitched in a field just outside the village. Behind them, small square areas had been fenced off with high canvas walls and were patrolled by apprentice teachers looking for anyone trying to overhear education without paying. The first tent Tiffany saw had a sign that read, Geography! 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 For today only! All major landmasses and oceans, plus everything you need to know about glaciers! One penny or all major vegetables accepted. Tiffany had read enough to know that, while he might be a whiz at major landmasses, his particular teacher could have done with some help for the man running the stall next door. The wonders of punctuation and spelling. One, absolute certainty about the comma. Two, I before E completely sorted out. Three, the mystery of the semicolon revealed. Four, see the ampersand. Small extra charge. Five, fun with brackets. 
will accept vegetables, eggs, and clean used clothing. The next stall along was decorated with scenes out of history, generally of kings cutting one another's heads off and similar interesting highlights. The teacher in front was dressed in ragged red robes with rabbit skin trimmings and wore an old top hat with flags stuck in it. He had a small megaphone that he aimed at Tiffany. The death of kings through the ages, he said. Very educational. Lots of blood. Not really, said Tiffany. Oh, you've got to know where you've come from, miss, said the teacher. Otherwise, how will you know where you're going? I come from a long line of aching people, said Tiffany. And I think I'm moving on. She found what she was looking for in a booth hung with pictures of animals, including, she was pleased to see, a camel. The sign said, Useful creatures. Today, our friend the hedgehog. She wondered how useful the thing in the river had been, but this looked like the only place to find out. A few children were waiting on the benches inside the booth for the lesson to begin. But the teacher was still standing out in front, in the hope of filling up the empty spaces. Hello, little girl, he said, which was only his first big mistake. I'm sure you want to know all about hedgehogs, eh? I did this one last summer, said Tiffany. The man looked closer and his grin faded. Oh, yes, he said. I remember. You asked all those little questions. I would like a question answered today, said Tiffany. Provided it's not the one about how you get baby hedgehogs, said the man. No, said Tiffany patiently. It's about zoology. Zoology, eh? That's a big word, isn't it? No, actually, it isn't, said Tiffany. Patronizing is a big word. Zoology is really quite short. The teacher's eyes narrowed further. Children like Tiffany were bad news. I can see you're a clever one, he said, but I don't know any teachers of zoology in these parts. Veterinary, yes, but not zoology. Any particular animal? Jenny Greenteeth, a water-dwelling monster with big teeth and claws and eyes like soup plates, soup plates said Tiffany. What size of soup plates? Do you mean big soup plates? A whole portion, full portion bowl with maybe some biscuits, possibly even a bread roll? Or do you mean the little cup you might get if, for example, you just ordered soup and a salad? The size of soup plates that are eight inches across, said Tiffany, who'd never ordered a soup and a salad anywhere in her life. I checked. Hmm, that is a puzzler, said the teacher. Don't think I know that one. It's certainly not useful, I know that. Sounds made up to me. Yes, that's what I thought, said Tiffany, but I'd still like to know more about it. Well, you could try her. She's new. The teacher jerked his thumb toward a little tent at the end of the row. It was black and quite shabby. There weren't any posters and absolutely no exclamation marks. What does she teach? Tiffany asked. Couldn't say, said the teacher. She says it's thinking, but I don't know how you teach that. That'll be one carrot, thank you. When she went closer, Tiffany saw a small notice pinned to the outside of the tent. It said in letters that whispered rather than shouted, I can teach you a lesson you won't forget in a hurry. Chapter 2. Miss Tick Tiffany read the sign and smiled. Aha, she said. There was nothing to knock on, so she added knock-knock in a louder voice. A woman's voice from within said, Who's there? Tiffany, said Tiffany. Tiffany who? said the voice. Tiffany, who isn't trying to make a joke. Ah, that sounds promising. Come in. She pushed aside the flap. It was dark inside the tent, as well as stuffy and hot. A skinny figure sat behind a small table. She had a very sharp, thin nose and was wearing a large black straw hat with paper flowers on it. It was completely unsuitable for a face like that. 
Are you a witch? said Tiffany. I don't mind if you are. What a strange question to spring on someone, said the woman, looking slightly shocked. Your baron bans witches in this country, you know that. You know that, and the first thing you say to me is, are you a witch? Why would I be a witch? Well, you're wearing all black, said Tiffany. Anyone can wear black, said the woman. That doesn't mean a thing. And you're wearing a straw hat with flowers in it, Tiffany went on. Aha! That proves it, then. Witches wear tall, pointy hats. Everyone knows that, foolish child. Yes, but witches are also very clever, said Tiffany calmly. There was something about the twinkle in the woman's eyes that told her to continue. They sneak about. Probably they often don't look like witches. And a witch coming here would know about the baron, and so she'd wear the kind of hat that everyone knows witches don't wear. The woman stared at her. That was an incredible feat of reasoning, she said at last. You'd make a good witch finder. You know, they used to set fire to witches. Whatever kind of hat I've got on, you say, you'd say it proves I'm a witch, yes? Well, the frog sitting on your hat is a bit of a clue, too, said Tiffany. I'm a toad, actually, said the creature, which had been peering at Tiffany from between the paper flowers. You're very yellow for a toad. I've been a bit ill, said the toad. And you talk. You only have my word for it, said the toad, disappearing into the paper flowers. You can't prove anything. You don't have matches on you, do you? said the woman to Tiffany. Oh, sorry. You don't have matches on you, do you? said the woman to Tiffany. No. No. Fine, fine, just checking. Again, there was a pause while the woman gave Tiffany a long stare, as if making up her mind about something. My name, she said at last, is Miss Tick, and I am a witch. It's a good name for a witch, of course. You mean blood-sucking parasite? said Tiffany, wrinkling her forehead. I am sorry, said Miss Tick coldly. Ticks, said Tiffany. Sheep get them. But if you use turpentine... I meant that it sounds like mystic, said Miss Tick. Oh, you mean a pune, or play on words, said Tiffany. Tiffany had read lots of words in the dictionary that she'd never heard spoken, so she had to guess at how they were pronounced. In that case, it would be even better if you were mystique of dense foreign wood, because that would sound like mystique. Or you could be mistake, which would, I can see you're going to get along like a house on, we're going to get along like a house on fire, said mystique. There may be no survivors. You really are a witch? Oh, please, said mystique. Yes, yes, I am a witch. I have a talking animal, a tendency to correct other people's pronunciation. It's pun, by the way, not pune. And a fascination for poking my nose into other people's affairs. And yes, a pointy hat. Can I operate the spring now? said the toad. Yes, said Miss Tick, her eyes still on Tiffany. You can operate the spring. I like operating the spring, said the toad, crawling around to the back of the hat. There was a click and a slow noise, and the center of the hat rose slowly and jerkily up out of the paper flowers which fell away. Er, said Tiffany. You have a question, said Miss Tick. With a last the top of the hat made a perfect point. How do you know I won't run away right now and tell the Baron, said Tiffany. Because you haven't the slightest desire to do so, said Miss Tick. You're absolutely fascinated. You want to be a witch, am I right? You probably want to fly on a broomstick, yes? Oh, yes! She'd often dreamed of flying. Miss Tick's next words brought her down to earth. Really? You like having to wear really, really thick pants? 
believe me, if I've got to fly, I wear two pairs of woolen ones and a canvas pair on the outside, which, I may tell you, are not very feminine, no matter how much lace you sew on. It can get cold up there. People forget that. And then there's the bristles. Don't ask me about the bristles. I will not talk about the bristles. But can't you use a keeping warm spell, said Tiffany? I could, but a witch doesn't do that sort of thing. Once you use magic to keep yourself warm, then you'll start using it for other things. But isn't that what a witch is supposed to... Tiffany began. Once you learn about magic, I mean really learn about magic, learn everything you can learn about magic, then you've got the most important lesson still to learn, said Miss Tick. What's that? Not to use it. Witches don't use magic unless they really have to. It's hard work and difficult to control. We do other things. A witch pays attention to everything that's going on. A witch uses her head. A witch is sure of herself. A witch always has a piece of string. I always do have a piece of string, said Tiffany. It's always handy. Good. Although there's more to witchcraft than string. A witch delights in small details. A witch sees through things and around things. A witch sees farther than most. A witch sees things from the other side. A witch knows where she is, who she is, and when she is. A witch would see Jenny Greenteeth, she added. What happened? How did you know I saw Jenny Greenteeth? I am a witch, guess, said Miss Tick. Tiffany looked around the tent. There wasn't much to see, even now that her eyes were getting accustomed to the gloom. The sounds of the outside world filtered through the heavy material. I think... Yes, said the witch. I think you heard me telling the teacher. Correct. I just used my ears, said Miss Tick, saying nothing at all about saucers of ink. Tell me about this monster with eyes the size of the kind of soup plates that are eight inches across. Where do soup plates come in soup plates come into it? The monster is mentioned in a book of stories I've got, explained Tiffany. It said Jenny Greenteeth has eyes the size of soup plates. There's a picture, but it's not a good one, so I measured a soup plate so I could be exact. Miss Tick put her chin on her hand and gave Tiffany an odd sort of smile. That was all right, wasn't it? said Tiffany. What? Oh, yes. Yes, um, yes, very exact. Go on. Tiffany told her about the fight with Jenny, although she didn't mention Wentworth in case Miss Tick got funny about it. Miss Tick listened carefully. Why the frying pan? You could have found a stick. A frying pan just seemed a better idea, said Tiffany. Ha! It was! Jenny would have eaten you up if you'd used a stick. A frying pan is made of iron. Creatures of that kidney don't stand iron. Can't stand iron. But it's a monster out of a storybook, said Tiffany. What's it doing turning up in our little river? Miss Tick stared at Tiffany for a while, and then said, Why do you want to be a witch, Tiffany? It had started with The Good Child's Book of Fairy Tales. Actually, it had probably started with a lot of things, but the stories most of all. Her mother had read them to her when she was little, and then she'd read them to herself. And always the stories had, somewhere, the witch. The wicked old witch. And Tiffany had thought, where's the evidence? The stories never said why she was wicked. It was enough to be an old woman. Enough to be all alone. Enough to look strange because you had no teeth. It was enough to be called a witch. If it came to that, the book never gave you the evidence of anything. It talked about a handsome prince. Was he really, or was it just because he was a prince that people called him handsome? As for a girl who was as beautiful as the day was long, well, which day? In midwinter, it hardly ever got light. The stories didn't want you to think. They just wanted you to believe what you were told. 
and you were told that the old witch lived all by herself in a strange cottage that was made of gingerbread or ran around on giant hen's feet and talked to animals and could do magic. Tiffany only ever knew one old woman who lived all alone in a strange cottage. Well, no, that wasn't quite true, but she'd only ever known one old woman who lived in a strange house that moved about, and that was Granny Aching. And she could do magic, cheap magic, and she talked to animals, and there was nothing wicked about her that proved you couldn't believe the stories. And there had been the other old woman, the one who everyone said was a witch, and what had happened to her had made Tiffany very thoughtful. Anyway, she preferred the witches to the smug, handsome princes, and especially to the stupid, smirking princesses, who didn't have the sense of beetle. They had lovely golden hair, too, and Tiffany didn't. Her hair was brown, plain brown. Her mother called it chestnut, or sometimes auburn, but Tiffany knew it was brown, 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 just like her eyes. Brown as earth. And did the book have any adventures for people who had brown eyes and brown hair? No, no, no. It was the blonde people with blue eyes and the redheads with green eyes who got the stories. If you had brown hair, you were probably just a servant or a woodcutter or something, or a dairymaid. Well, that was not going to happen, even if she was good at cheese. She couldn't be the prince, and she'd never be a princess, and she didn't want to be a woodcutter, so she'd be the witch and know things, just like Granny Aching. Who was Granny Aching? said a voice. Who was Granny Aching? People would start asking that now. And the answer was, what Granny Aching was, was there. She was always there. It seemed the lives of all the Achings revolved around Granny Aching. Down in the village, decisions were made, things were done, life went on in the knowledge that in her old wheeled shepherding hut on the hills, Granny Aching was there watching. And she was the silence of the hills. Perhaps that's why she liked Tiffany, in her awkward, hesitant way. Her older sisters chattered, and Granny didn't like noise. Tiffany didn't make noise when she was up at the hut. She just loved being there. She'd watch the buzzards and listen to the noise of the silence. It did have a noise up there. Sounds, voices, animal noises floating up onto the downs somehow made the silence deep and complex. And Granny Aching wrapped the silence around herself and made room inside it for Tiffany. It was always too busy on the farm. There were a lot of people with a lot to do. There wasn't enough time for silence. There wasn't time for listening. But Granny Aching was silent and listened all the time. What? said Tiffany, blinking. You just said, Granny Aiken listened to me all the time, said Miss Tick. Tiffany swallowed. I think my grandmother was slightly a witch, she said with a touch of pride. Really? How do you know? Well, witches can curse people, right? said Tiffany. So it is said, said Miss Tick diplomatically. Well, my father said Granny Aiken cussed the sky blue, said Tiffany. Miss Tick coughed. Well, cussing... now. Cussing isn't like genuine cursing. Cursing's, cussing's more like dang and botheration and darned and drat, you know? Cursing is more in the lines of, I hope your nose explodes and your ears go flying away. I think Granny's cussing was a bit more than that, said Tiffany, in a very definite voice. And she talked to her dogs. And what kind of things did she say to them, said Miss Tick. Oh, things like, come by and away to me and that'll do, said Tiffany. They always did what she told them. But those are just shepherded she sheepdog commands, said Miss Tick dismissively. It's not exactly witchcraft. Well, that still makes them familiars, doesn't it? Tiffany retorted, feeling annoyed. Witches have animals they can talk to, called familiars, like your toad there. I'm not a familiar, said a voice with among the, from among the paper flowers. 
I'm just slightly presumptuous. <laughs> and she knew about all kinds of herbs, Tiffany persisted. Granny Aching was going to be a witch even if Tiff Tiffany had to argue all day. She could cure anything. My father said she could make a shepherd's pie stand up and bah. Tiffany lowered her voice. She could bring lambs back to, to life. You hardly ever saw Granny Aching indoors in the spring and summer. She spent most of the year sleeping in the old wheeled hut, which could be dragged across the downs after the flocks. But the first time Tiffany could remember seeing the old woman in the farmhouse, she was kneeling in front of the fire, putting a dead lamb in the big black oven. Tiffany had screamed and screamed, and Granny had gently picked her up, a little awkwardly, and sat her on her lap and shushed her and called her my little jigget, while on the floor her sheepdogs, thunder and lightning, watched her in doggish amazement. Granny wasn't particularly at home around children, because they didn't baa. When Tiffany had stopped crying out of sheer lack of breath, Granny had put her down on the rug and opened the oven, and Tiffany had watched the lamb come alive again. When Tiffany got a little older, she found out that jigget means twenty in the Yantan Tethera, the ancient counting language of the shepherds. The older people still used it when they were counting things they thought of as special. She was Granny Aching's twentieth grandchild. And when she was older still, she also understood all about the warming oven, which never got more than, well, warm. Her mother would let the bread dough rise in it, and Ratbag the cat would sleep in it, sometimes on the dough. It was just the place to revive a weak lamb that had been born on a snowy night, and was near death from the cold. That was how it worked. No magic at all. But that time it had been magic, and it didn't stop being magic just because you found out how it was done. Good, but still not exactly witchcraft, said Miss Heck, breaking the spell again. Anyway... You don't have to have a witch ancestor to be a witch. It helps, of course, because of heredity. You mean like having talents, said Tiffany, wrinkling her brow? Partly, I suppose, said Miss Tick. But I was thinking of pointy hats, for example. If you have a grandmother who can pass on her pointy hats to you, that, sells, that saves a great deal of expense. They are incredibly hard to come by, especially one strong enough to withstand falling farmhouses. Did Mrs. Aking have anything like that? I don't think so, said Tiffany. She hardly ever wore a hat, except in the very cold weather. She wore an old grain sack as sort of a hood. Um, does that count? For the first time, Miss Tick looked a little less flinty. Possibly, possibly, she said. Do you have any brothers and sisters, Tiffany? I have six sisters, said Tiffany. I'm the youngest. Most of them don't live with us now. And then you weren't the baby anymore because you had a dear little brother, said Miss Tick. The only boy, too. That must be a, have been a nice surprise. Suddenly, Tiffany found Miss Tick's faint smile slightly annoying. How do you know about my brother, she said. The smile faded. Miss Tick thought, this child is sharp. Just a guess, she said. No one likes admitting to spying. Are you using persicology on me, said Tiffany hotly. I think you mean psychology, said Miss Tick. Whatever, said Tiffany. You think I don't like him because my parents make a fuss of him and spoil him, yes? Well, it did cross my mind, said Miss Tick, and gave up worrying about the spying. She was a witch, and that was all there was to it. I think it was the bit when you used him as bait for a slobbering monster that gave me a hint, she added. He's just a nuisance, said Tiffany. He takes up my time, and I'm always having to look after him, and he always wants sweets. Anyway, she added, I had to think fast. Quite so, said Miss Tick. Granny Aching would have done something about monsters in our river, said Tiffany, ignoring that. 
even if they are out of books. And she'd have done something about what happened to old Mrs. Snapperly, she added to herself. She'd have spoken up, and people would have listened. They always listened when Granny spoke up. Speak up for those who don't have voices, she always said. Good, said Miss Tick. So she should. Witches deal with things. You said the river was very shallow when Je where Jenny leaped up, and the words world looked blurred and shaky. Was there a susurrus? Tiffany beamed. Yes, there certainly was. Ah, something bad is happening. Tiffany looked worried. Can I stop it? And now I'm slightly impressed, said Miss Tick. You said, can I stop it? And not, can anyone stop it? Or can we stop it? That's good. You accept responsibility. That's a good start. And you keep a cool head. But no, you can't stop it. I walloped Jenny Greenteeth. Lucky hit, said Miss Tick. There are worse than her on the way, believe me. I believe an incursion of major proportions is going to start here. And clever though you are, my girl, you have as much chance as one of your lambs on a snowy night. You keep clear. I'll try to fetch help. What, from the Baron? Good gracious, no. He'd be of no use at all. But he protects us, said Tiffany. That's what my mother says. Does he, said Miss Tick. Who from? I mean, from whom? Well, from, you know, attack, I suppose. From other barons, my father says. Has he got a big army? Well, um, he's got Sergeant Roberts and Kevin and Neville and Trevor, said Tiffany. We all know them. They mostly guard the castle. Any of them got magical powers, said Miss Tick. I saw Neville do card tricks once, said Tiffany. Oh, wow, at parties, but probably not much use even against something like Jenny, said Miss Tick. Are there no other, are there no witches here at all? Tiffany hesitated. There was old Mrs. Snapperly, she said. Oh, yes, she lived all alone in a strange cottage, all right. Good name, said Miss Tick. Can't say I've heard it before, though. Where is she? She died in the snow last winter, said Tiffany slowly. And now tell me what you're not telling me, said Miss Tick, sharp as a knife. Uh, she was begging, people think, but no one opened their doors to her. And uh, it was a cold night, and she died. And she was a witch, was she? Everyone said she was a witch, said Tiffany. She really did not want to talk about this. No one in the villages around here wanted to talk about it. No one went near the ruins, the cottage, and the woods, either. You don't think so? Um, Tiffany squirmed. You see, the Baron had a son called Roland. He was only twelve, I think. And he went riding in the woods by himself last summer, and his dogs came back without him. Mrs. Snapperly lived in those woods, said Miss Tick. Yes, and people think she killed him, said Miss Tick. She sighed. They probably think she cooked him in the oven or something. They never actually said, said Tiffany, but I think it was something like that, yes. And did his horse turn up, said Miss Tick? No, said Tiffany. And that was strange, because if it had turned up anywhere along the hills, the people would have noticed it. Miss Tick folded her hands, sniffed, and smiled a smile with no humor in it at all. Easily explained, she said. Mrs. Snapperly must have had a really big oven then. Eh? No, it was really quite small, said Tiffany. Only ten inches deep. I bet Mrs. Snapperly had no teeth and talked to herself, right? Said Miss Tick. Yes, and she had a cat 
and a squint, said Tiffany. And it all came out in a rush. And so after he vanished, they went to her cottage, and they looked in the oven, and they dug up her garden, and they threw stones at her old cat until it died, and they turned her out of her cottage, and piled up all her old books in the middle of the room, and set fire to them, and burned the place to the ground, and everyone said she was an old witch. They burned the books, said Miss Tick in a flat voice. Because they said they had old writing in them, said Tiffany, and pictures of stars. And when you went to look, did they? said Miss Tick. Tiffany suddenly felt cold. How did you know? she said. I'm good at listening. Well, did they? Tiffany sighed. <sighs> yes, I went to the cottage next day, and some of the pages, you know, had kind of floated up in the heat, and I found a part of one, and it had all, all old lettering, and gold and blue edging, and I buried her cat. You buried the cat? Yes, someone had to, said Tiffany hotly. And you measured the oven, said Miss Tick. I know you did, because you just told me what size it was. And you measure soup, place, soup plates, Miss Tick added to herself. What have I found here? Well, yes, I did. I mean, it was tiny. And if she could magic away a boy and a whole horse, why didn't she magic away the men who came for her? It didn't make any sense. Miss Tick waved her into silence. And then what happened? Then the Baron said no one was to have anything to do with her, said Tiffany. He said any witches found in the country would be tied up and thrown in the pond. Mm, you could be in danger, she added uncertainly. I can untie knots with my teeth, and I have a gold swimming certificate from the Quorum College for Young Ladies, said Miss Tick. All that practice at jumping into the swimming pool with my clothes on was time well spent, she leaned forward. Let me guess what happened to Mrs. Snapperly, she said. She lived from the summer until the snow, right? She stole food from barns, and probably women gave her food at the back door if the men weren't around. I expect the bigger boys threw things at her if they saw her. How do you know all this, said Tiffany? It doesn't take a huge leap of imagination, believe me, said Miss Tick. And she wasn't a witch, was she? I think she was just a sick old lady who was no use to anyone and smelled a bit and looked odd because she had no teeth, said Tiffany. She just looked like a witch in a story. Anyone with half a mind could see that. Miss Tick sighed. <sighs> yes, but sometimes it's so hard to find half a mind when you need one. Can't you teach me what I need to know to be a witch, said Tiffany? Tell me why you still want to be a witch, bearing in mind what happened to Mrs. Snapperly. So that sort of thing doesn't happen again, said Tiffany. She even buried the old witch's cat, thought Miss Tick. What kind of child is this? Good answer. You might make a decent witch one day, she said. But I don't teach people to be witches. I teach people about witches. Witches learn in a special school. I just show them the way if they're any good. All witches have special interests, and are like children. Why? Because they're much easier to fit in the oven, said Miss Tick. But Tiffany wasn't frightened, just annoyed. That was a nasty thing to say, she said. Well, witches don't have to be nice, said Miss Tick, pulling a large black bag from under the table. I'm glad to see you pay attention. There really is a school for witches, said Tiffany. In a manner of speaking, yes. Where? Very close. It is magical? Very magical. A wonderful place? There's nowhere quite like it. Can I go there by magic? Does, like, a unicorn turn up to carry me there or something? Why should it? A unicorn is nothing more than a big horse that comes to a point anyway. Nothing to get so excited about, said Miss Tick. And that will be one egg, please. 
Exactly where can I find the school? said Tiffany, handing over the egg. Aha! A root vegetable question, I think, said Miss Tick. Two carrots, please. Tiffany handed them over. Thank you. Ready? To find the school for witches, go to a high place near here. Climb to the top. Open your eyes. Miss Tick hesitated. Yes? And then open your eyes again. But, Tiffany began. Got any more eggs? No, but no more education then. But I have a question to ask you. Got any eggs? said Tiffany instantly. Ha! Did you see anything else by the river, Tiffany? Silence suddenly filled the tent. The sound of bad spelling and erratic geography filtered from outside as Tiffany and Miss Tick stared into each other's eyes. No, lied Tiffany. Are you sure? said Miss Tick. Yes. They continued the staring match, but Tiffany could outsteer a cat. I see, said Miss Tick, looking away. Very well. In that case, please tell me, when you stopped outside my tent just now, you said, aha, in what I considered to be a smug tone of voice. Were you thinking, this is a strange little black tent with a mysterious little sign on the door, so going inside could be the start of an adventure? Or were you thinking, this could be the tent of some wicked witch like they thought Mrs. Snapperly was, who will put some horrible spell on me as soon as I go in? It's all right. You can stop staring now. Your eyes are watering. I thought both those things, said Tiffany, blinking. But you came in anyway. Why? To find out. Good answer. Witches are naturally nosy, said Miss Tick, standing up. Well, I must go. I hope we shall meet again. I will give you some free advice, though. Will it cost me anything? What? I just said it was free, said Miss Tick. Yes, but my father said that free advice often turns out to be expensive, said Tiffany. Miss Tick sniffed. You could say this advice is priceless, she said. Are you listening? Yes, said Tiffany. Good. Now, if you trust in yourself... Yes? And believe in your dreams... Yes? And follow your star... Miss Tick went on. Yes? You'll still get beaten by people who spent their time working hard and learning things and weren't so lazy. Goodbye. The tent seemed to grow darker. It was time to leave. Tiffany found herself back in the square where the other teachers were taking down their stalls. She didn't look around. She knew enough not to look around. Either the tent would still be there, which would be a disappointment, or it would have mysteriously disappeared, and that would be worrying. She headed home and wondered if she should have mentioned the little red-haired men. She hadn't for a whole lot of reasons. She wasn't sure, now that she'd really seen them. She had a feeling that they wouldn't have wanted her to, and it was nice to have something Miss Tick didn't know. Yes, that was the best part. Miss Tick was a bit too clever, in Tiffany's opinion. On the way home, she climbed to the top of Arkin Hill, which was just outside the village. It wasn't very big, not even as high as the downs above the farm, and certainly nothing like as high as the mountains. The hill was more modest. There was a flat place at the top where nothing ever grew, and Tiffany knew there was a story that a hero had fought, once fought a dragon up there, and his blood had burned the ground where it fell. There was another story that said there was a heap of treasure under the hill, defended by the dragon, and another story that said a king was buried there in armor of solid gold. There were lots of stories about the hill. It was surprising it hadn't sunk under the weight of them. Tiffany stood on the bare soil and looked at the view. She could see the village and the river, and home farm and the baron's castle, and beyond the fields she knew she could see gray woods and heathlands. She closed her eyes and opened them again and blinked.
and open them again. There was no magic door, no hidden building revealed, no strange signs. For a moment, though, the air buzzed and smelled of snow. When she got home, she looked up incursion in the dictionary. It meant invasion. An incursion of major proportions, Miss Ticket said. And now, little unseen eyes watched Tiffany from the top of the shelf. That's the end of chapter two, so I'm going to leave it here. I love you very much, and look forward to part three soon.